The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gilles, we don't just play the game, we change it. Gilles, made of what matters. This is News Talk. Twitter, we have Own Sheehan along. Hello. Hey, Joe. How's it going? When do you sleep? I mean, what's going on here? Super Bowl, OTB AM. You're on OTB, OTB PM, off the ball, whatever you want to call it. And you've got to be out there living life as well, Own Surely, no? Oh, I mean, Monday night. What else is there to be at? Where is Monday night football? Where Give, give, give us something to give, give me something to do with my life other than coming out to talk to you, Joe. Is what I'm asking the sporting gods this week. Uh, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to offer you. Richie McCormick, hello. Hey, Joe. So, uh, Super Bowl win. We're talking about that with Tara Sullivan. I suspect you've watched the game back at this stage. Owen. I know you hadn't seen or you hadn't stayed up. I was listening to you this morning to watch all of it. So, we have a win for LA Rams. Was this a classic Super Bowl middling? I would say middling. I would say, especially in the context of some of the drama that we've had, over the last few weeks in the NFL, it probably dipped a little bit below that level as we had that Tom Brady comeback that almost was, what was that, three, four weeks ago at this point, Patrick Mahomes getting dumped out, come back and actually won it and play at the end with 40 seconds left on the clock last night. We could have had an incredible conclusion to this game. But I did see a statistic that, was it all the postseason games of the NFL this season were uh, decided by six points or fewer that it just summed up uh, an NFL playoffs and uh, I guess a Super Bowl included as well, that that was extremely tight. And that's all you can really ask for. So I think maybe American football fans were spoiled for choice over the last little while. So it dipped below that stratospheric level that had been set in January. Yeah. Uh, the more I go through life, the more I realize our uh, perceptions of time uh, become very interesting as we get older. So, I mean, the uh, talk here is this is a second franchise win, a first since the year 2000, which for me just feels within you know, a very reachable distance and references left, right and centre of that. And then I was thinking, well, actually, if you'd said to me in the year 2000, the last time the Rams won was in 1978, that would genuinely feel like, my God, this famine has to end. Mm. And uh, I think that applied to a generation with the halftime show as well. Uh, Lots of tweets of people in their late 30s, early 40s who were reflecting on the fact that their young children sat open-mouthed as their parents, who are otherwise incredibly boring and, and don't have much to offer, uh, burst into word-perfect hip-hop and lost their <laughs> minds for 15 minutes and, and suddenly realised, oh my God, this is like my parents when, you know, the Stones did the halftime show and I thought, well, why are the old guys uh, doing the halftime <laughs> show? So these are, these are interesting things to reflect on, Owen. You're still young, thankfully. Yeah, I'm still young. I don't want to say anything about, uh, relatively speaking, I think, I don't want to say anything about the halftime show uh, with Richie McCormack listening in because I've got, been getting a bit of uh, heat uh, today for uh, saying this morning that Kendrick Lamar and Eminem are in a different stratosphere to one another. So uh, I'm not sure whether or not that was a, a hot take, a good take, or just a, a plain wrong take, Richie. I've got company. Oh, Richie McCormack ambushed by one of the little people that we were <laughs> yeah. just speaking of. He's telling me he was having his first time at karate, so it kind of plays into sports tonight. But yeah, um, well done. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the halftime show, like as you mentioned, the skewing of time, and you're, you're talking about the, the gaps of 22, because obviously 2000 is, is now 22 years ago, and, and the midpoints between 1978 and uh, now is, uh, is uh, the year 2000. But also, like that halftime show is was based off an album that was released now 23 years ago 
So the equivalent for that in the year 99 would have been something released in 76. So, uh, yeah, we're scarily getting old. Yeah, it is, it is. I was talking to someone recently whose children were learning Oasis songs and he was making the point, well, this is akin to like our parents listening to ABBA. You know, and all these yep. th- these moments can hit you quite crushingly, I think, and quite suddenly. What did you think of the halftime show, Rich? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, like I, I absolutely <laughs> thought it was grand. It's just like I, I'm always, I'm always. People, I'm people always, are saying it's iconic. Come on. No, I'm always enthused. Like I'm, I'm always enthused by the staging of it, and I love those time lapse shots of when they're showing the field being cleared at halftime, and then they're bringing on the staging, and then because I saw that first this morning, and then I saw the actual thing later on when when the NFL uploaded to their YouTube channel, and I was like. Jesus, like I won't be walking around on the top of that thing, seeing as it looks like it's just styrofoam and they just put it out there temporarily. But yeah, like it was, it was grand, you know. It was halftime shows, half, halftime shows go. No, no real issue with it. Thought it was, thought it was fine. Thought it was fun. Enjoyed Kendrick Lamar's interjection, uh, and yeah, all good. Yeah. Uh, so you own you because this, I, I, I wouldn't have a feel for this at all, Kendrick Lamar. I'm just uh, sorry, but you were arguing this morning he is of a different stratosphere to Eminem. Would that be a widely held view? No. I, I, I think maybe in recent times, and that was my whole point. It was like, give me the last 10, 12 years of Kendrick rather than the last 10, 12 years of Eminem, and it's not even a question. It's well, not like, yeah. I mean, it would, be, it would be ridiculous to suggest otherwise. And that, yeah. that was all I was saying earlier on. Oh, that's Whereas, Eminem, Eminem has effectively retired the last 12 years. I mean, at, at his peak, like it was, it well, was that's the problem, incredible. Jim. That's the problem. He still kept going, and fewer and fewer people have actually cared. Oh. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's true of any artist. You get to a point, like your first four or five years are always going to be your absolute zenith and then from that point on it's all about maintaining the fans that you've already created because you're not going to get any new ones yeah um but yeah like he's, he's kept going and fair play to him but kendrick's work over the last decade has been just immense okay i need to actually check that out i'm i'm i'm, I'm less aware of that than i think i should be. i am i just i want to sit there in a room i just want to have a live stream of you and we can't do this because of copyright <laughs> reasons but we can get around the copyright reasons by just putting headphones on you yeah listening to like two three kendrick lamar albums back to back yes okay um and just your reactions to it as Good. it goes out live and, and the only the only rule is i have to dance I have no, to, I don't I have, I have to. I have to interpret it with my body in some way. No, no, no. I want to close up <laughs> on your face just to see the reactions to some of the lyrics and stuff like that. Just to hear you go, oh, okay, interesting. All right, well, all right. Okay, I will. Uh, I will think about doing that. Top of the table. That's exciting. Bottom of the table. That's exciting. Like that's the sort of football that you want to be. And these are the pressure games that, in 15, 20 years' time, I will look back on and I will remember. These are the important matches for me, not the middle of the table teams. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. Uh, the other uh, story from the weekend, which I think you know, is very compelling television, was Graeme Souness talking about the Kurtzuma controversy and Jimmy Carragher there as well. So I'm sure people have seen as soon as is uh, livid about the whole situation, was saying that he wouldn't like to share a dressing room with Zuma, was saying Zuma should not play again for the rest of the season, all words to that effect. And the general reaction I would have said on on Twitter was Graeme Souness nail on the head. And it was very interesting to watch Jamie Carragher trying to uh, just uh, acknowledge what Zuma might be going through. And, you know, Carragher brings a unique baggage to this as the man who was public enemy number one for a time when he spat at the 12 year old girl. And you forget he was on Sky News the next day and made watch several replays on a massive screen and was made cry on Sky News. I mean, he was, he was asked 
how do your children feel about this? Which is always like the game overshot. I mean, you know, and he was suspended from Sky for the rest of the season and talked to Gary Neville recently about going to Steve Peters about that and uh, finding that, uh, I'd say, a period of torment, uh, genuinely. And so he was just trying to at least posit the notion that Kurt Zuma might be going through a very difficult time and that was uh, generally shot down. He never mentioned his own experience, but it was obvious this is the empathy with which he was uh, speaking. And I, I, I don't know where this story is really, but certainly I think Sunus has reinvigorated it. Uh, de- definitely. I, th- I think that possibly Sunes's angle was probably hardened by the fact that Zuma was named to play when they were having that conversation and he had played midweek. Uh, he would have been fair enough to think that there hadn't been any real punishment meted out to Kurt Zuma. Like, it's been interesting, the reaction to that reaction, the line that he had, the cat hadn't done anything wrong, got clipped up, and that is the bit that went viral on social media, or people just saying that exact bit. But in actual fact, what Kurt Zuma was saying was about so much more than that. So it, it was actually a, a really eloquent uh, way of, of talking about the whole situation and something that maybe has been sidestepped a little bit. Like, I, I take your point on Carragher, and he does have a, a very interesting angle on it in yesterday's Mail on Sunday that actually what you had was a situation on Sky Sports News a few months ago where you had a Sky Sports News presenter you know celebrating the arrival of the new ownership at Newcastle United uh, and then a, a few months later would um, would condemn the lack of uh, any sort of punishment being meted out to Kurt Zuma and he was making the, the valid point that both of these things are, are, are very very wrong the the Saudi Arabian regime and and the, the atrocities there and kicking a cat uh, but there are levels to this sort of thing. So he was making the point that maybe people on on Sky Sports need to, to check exactly what they are critical of. But in isolation, I mean, I think yeah, Graham Sunes was, was absolutely hitting the nail on the head there yesterday. And it was, I was surprised, actually. I don't know why, but I was surprised with how strong he was on it. I think West Ham have made such a mess of this. They've hung David Moyes out to dry and he was making bad decisions on this. Uh, they should have stepped in and said four game ban I would say go beyond the two weeks wages and 100 hours at the local animal shelter and he's going to become an ambassador for that shelter as well and he's going to raise money for them for the rest of his time at West Ham just to get ahead of it uh, so as in this uh, immediate period of anger well at least a debate wouldn't be created about whether or not Zuma was being punished properly and the point Sunas made as well is if Zoom is to be forgiven, he has to show genuine contrition. So none of us really know what kind of person Kurt Zuma is, you know, is the, is the kind of tricky thing from the outside. None of us know if he's uh, mortified and desperately wants to go on television and has the capability to express the required remorse that would uh, maybe calm the situation or if that's if that's not something that would be a good idea. You know, we don't know how he's feeling about the whole thing. Uh, but I think if, Rich, there's, there's you know, any possibility that he... Uh, could handle being cross-examined, say Alec Carragher and Sky News, and could go on and take the hits and express genuine remorse, then that would not be a bad idea either. Because at the moment, it feels like we're going to just stumble into the next West Ham game. Play, and is he going to play? Yeah, as you mentioned, like the, 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 from a PR perspective, West Ham have handled this terribly. And what they should have done, like you say, is to, to have them outside an animal shelter within... 36 hours of this happening and going public um, a sit down interview one where he shows genuine contrition would be probably within their rights but it's the like I'm almost at the point like I, I don't think we can kick him anymore for what he's done I mean the, yeah. the, the, the actual incident is horrific he issued an apology a written one 
Um, I'm not sure how up he would be to speaking, etc. That's that's up to him. That's up to the club. But again, like the club really needed to show leadership here, and they didn't. The club needed to be the ones to set him aside for a couple of games, and they didn't. Um, and you had the weird position yesterday, whereby he's he's going off, he's complaining of feeling unwell, and he's complaining of blurred vision, and and like I don't know what's but what was behind that, etc. Like we we clearly can't. But you wouldn't be shocked if there was you know the stress yes, in the last I week think, or so. Yeah. Uh, playing some part there in, in it because like it was his first away game obviously like it, well, at least when he was picked at Watford he had the, the kind of thought in the back of his head maybe that I'm in front of my home fans I'll get an easier ride at least here than I would do away but like he shouldn't be in the position whereby stress and all that kind of thing is, is something that he has to to consider yeah it's in everybody's interests it's in the club's interest uh, from a PR perspective it's in his interest from a player welfare perspective and just in terms of lo- looking like you're taking care of this issue to withdraw him for at least a couple of games and keep him out of you know eyesight have him do the sit down interview show contrition move on pay the fine do the animal shelter stuff and all that but have it be genuine continuing yeah. to blunder continuing to blunder on while also playing the act of, of punishment like has, has made this look like an absolute farce mm, yeah and I, I I think you're right in terms of how much can you kick him against it. the wrong phrase to use in this yeah, uh, totally circumstance yeah. but that's what Carragher's getting at like how much do we want to push this person none of us know what he's going through at the moment and the yeah. fact that he pulled out of the game suggests he's going through quite something it may have been a moment where he was sampling the reaction of the away stadium and he thought oh my god is this my life now am I ever going to escape this and to some degree he never will which is probably a terrifying thing to to realise on Soonest by the way I hadn't uh, realised so last September when there was that uh, carbon neutral game on Sky I think it was a Spurs game wasn't it it was carbon neutral and Sky Sports were talking to their pundits in advance and trying to talk climate change for a couple of minutes and so Roy Keane Mick Richards Graham Soonest were on and what do you do about climate change? And I think the boys said stuff about, well, I drive an electric car and I try and walk more. And Sunas, interestingly, and he did say that climate change wasn't his primary motivation, but he uh, revealed he'd been vegan for the previous uh, three years. And so what he said on the program at the time was, the reason I did it, my concern was animal welfare. That was my biggest single reason. I think the way we treat animals is despicable, but that's for another day. Uh, so, you know, like, you know, Graham's is a very interesting character, Owen, and, and uh, you know, on, on a front like that, on he's been very vocal in the last couple of years about uh, learning more about LGBTQ rights and going to March in Brighton and reflecting on attitudes in dressing rooms of all this, um, you know, character of depth, an interesting one. There's a real reason why he's been kept in his role at Sky Sports for as long as he has, isn't there? It, it's almost as if that there's been a constant flushing of of new talent through that studio over, over the last little while. Even people of uh, of an older vintage who just hadn't really done much punditry before are, are kind of like brought through, I guess, and pushed out. And there's a constant revol- revolving door there. But Sunis has been an ever-present. And A, it's because of his great analysis. But B, he is so versatile when it comes to all these sorts of subjects and clearly is a very curious mind, constantly... Uh, molding himself and if nothing else in the aftermath of this Kurt Zuma conversation he is one of the people who could uh, stand up to those Twitter trolls who are like don't give out to Kurt Zuma if you eat meat yourself at least Kurt Zuma can turn around and say well actually uh, I've been vegan for the last little while so uh, I am uh, not even close to being a hypocrite of this yeah 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 well I mean if if Sunis is saying 
our treatment of animals is a whole other show. I mean, certainly the mental gymnastics amongst uh, the general populace mm. of meat eaters and the things we do to animals at large and yet the love for cats and dogs is incredibly strange, isn't it? I like, you stop and think about it. We're just uh, the most bizarre animal of all in so many respects. We should get on with the news round before this. This is already, I mean, we haven't, we've kind of gone off on a few tangents there. The news round is brought to you by Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. Uh, so, Richie, blitz us with a few there. Yeah, James Lowe could be back in contention for the remainder of Ireland's Six Nations campaign. The winger wasn't included in the squad for those games with Wales and France due to a hamstring injury, but Leinster say Lowe has returned to training this week ahead of a visit of the Ospreys to the RDS this weekend. Renan Kelleher will have a shoulder injury assessed by the Irish medical staff this week, and Jonathan Sexton is continuing to rehab the hamstring issue that forced him to miss the game in Paris. There is bad news for Leinster as well today. Kieran Frawley's been ruled out for up to six weeks, having suffered a facial injury in Friday's win over Edinburgh. Uh, Northern Ireland's Communities Minister has given assurances the public money for Caseman Park has been ring-fenced. Sinn Féin MLA Deirdre Hargie confirmed today that a €43 million programme to improve soccer stadia in the six counties has been shelved. However, Casement is viewed as an executive flagship project and will have its funding protected. The Assembly originally pledged €74 million when the Casement estimate stood at €92 million, but it's feared that cost has now spiralled to beyond 160 million. The plans are also subject to a judicial review next month following complaints even from local residents. Mm. And then Winter Olympics continuing? Yeah, Camilla Valieva will take part in the individual figure skating final in Beijing, but there won't be a medal ceremony if she finishes in the top three. The Court of Arbitration for Sport ruled that no suspension should be imposed on the 15-year-old Russian after she failed a drugs test, saying it would cause her irreparable harm. The IOC won't award the medals until an investigation into whether she violated anti-doping rules is concluded. Okay. Uh, Richie mentioned the rugby there at the top. Owen, what's your takeaway from Stade de France Saturday night? Well, I think that it's uh, there's a couple of different things here. First of all, it, it, we seem to have isolated down already the, the nobody issue with Saturday night, which is this power game, uh, which feels very similar to the conversation we've had after Leinster's defeats in Europe over the last little while. And to be honest with you, even quite similar to Ireland at the start of 2019. They're playing a totally different style of rugby now, but it does come back to this age-old issue of not being powerful enough to, to beat a team like France. You'd hope that the Irish game plan will develop and continue to develop more over the next 18 months, that the, I guess, the impact of that power, not that it'll ever be close to meaningless in rugby, but that Ireland will find other ways of, of getting around it uh, and they, they, they might be able to survive maybe in next year's Six Nations against such a powerful unit. But that is the big takeaway, isn't it? It is, it is the single biggest reason why Ireland struggled for, for periods of the game. But on the flip side, then, you have Ireland coming back in after halftime and, and racing back into the game. And the performance of Joey Carberry, especially in that second half, is one that's been getting glowing reviews, while also people are holding their horses on Carberry because he is always, for now anyway, going to be open to that reasonable criticism and the reasonable comparison between himself and Johnny Sexton. It may seem harsh and some of the analysis may seem harsh, but unfortunately, the guy who was playing 10 the week before him happens to be one of the best 10s this country has ever produced. So that is naturally going to be the comparison that people are going to race towards. Yeah. We keep being promised that eventually we'll get the right tactics to beat these bigger teams. 
I hope that's true and we're not still here in 15 years being told we just need to get the right tactics and then we'll be able to beat the bigger team. I, I, I would have put it down more to, to decision making and I'm not even just talking about that uh, decision to, to kick for goal rather mm. than the corner in the 71st minute. There were decisions like the, the line-out call that was thrown to deep um, when we were five metres out and there was chance every chance of a try that would have put us in front of that stage. Um, the kick through by, by Hugo Keenan that was up into the air in the final minute or so that just seemed really misjudged that again gave away possession. I think that the game was there for Ireland. I think tactically like there were there were mistakes and there were flaws, but it was fine. I think it's heartening to hear Andy Farrell say, he didn't necessarily say he supported the decisions that they made, but I think he supports the agency that he's given them to make those decisions on the field. And there is a degree of honing that and refining that and getting that right. And unfortunately, that means making mistakes uh, in the field of battle. Um, they will come right. And I, I do think there's, I don't think there's a cause for panic there whatsoever from Saturday. I think by and large, everything's fine. I think tactically, save for a couple of, of, of poor decisions, we're okay against what is an exceptionally oh, good French side. I feel like it was an absolute epic. Yeah. I mean, they were pummeled. The first 40 minutes... They must have been in absolute shock. The French start, where you think, oh my God, the running rugby. And of course, Dupont scored after two minutes. We, we spent the week talking about Dupont and now he scored, you know. And then just being crushed at the breakdown and crushed in so many collisions. The Mac Hansen try was such a freak. Like it was a genius freak, but like such a freak thing that it almost gave them a, a you know defibrillator, a pump of life just to kind of stay in this a little bit. I... But the way they rallied in the second half was genuinely impressive and then almost began gradually to win the arm wrestle at touch and looked on top for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then there's the decision and you know, four minutes earlier they've lost a line out in that exact corner and then you've got your second row deciding what do I do here and Joey's kicking everything and still would be eight minutes left and at worst then we could be in here for a draw. I mean, people have discounted, people have said, what's a draw? Draws, draws would be, I think, phenomenal. If yeah, they had they gone needed, and drawn two, in, in France. They needed two scores in that last 10 minutes to actually put the game to bed. If they had taken a try from either that line-out or from what ended up being that kick at goal, I think France would have come back and, and there would have been every chance that they would have edged back in front again Maybe, in, yeah. in the time that they had. So they did need two scores. And to take the handiest one of those being a penalty, come back and then try and get the try would have been that would have been just fine. I, like it's there's no I think don't think there's, like it's weird because we've got a mad big rugby section with two former internationals on the way, but I don't think there's ma- a massive need for uh, a dissection of the game or a, 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 a look into it in in huge in huge huge depth as regards a crisis because there is none and Ireland are in a pretty good place I think no, after I think, that regardless I think Keith Wood and Liam Tone are very positive about yeah, the, the general state of play, but it would, all told then you the decision and then it doesn't happen and then a weird last five six minutes. Uh, bad kicks from both teams France nudge ahead game over but it was just such an epic you know it was amazing watching Italy England the next day felt like a different sport oh my god the, it- trudge, the yeah. Italian thing's a big problem like each every every week there's two matches that's that's where we are there's not even the hint of possible we just need to get back on to where there's you could say in preview in the game there could be an upset here we're a million miles from that now. We're not. There's not even a hint of jeopardy off these games. No, and it, it's because the Six Nations matters. You know, people don't want to make wholesale changes against Italy. These teams that they're coming up against are always relatively strong because of scoring difference. They need to make sure to get the bonus point. Whereas in November and in the summer tours, they tend to have more of a chance. So they're in a competition that's brutal, and they're just not up to the standard. Like, I mean, there's, there's constant talk now of, of potential promotion relegation. Get Georgia in there. I, I'm not sure. 
that necessarily fix anything. Maybe the, the, the sort of slight heart attack they gave Ireland at the end of 2020 was again a November test. And yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see what would happen in the middle of the Six Nations. No, I don't, I don't think George is the answer. South Africa lurking might be the threat yeah, to Italy. So, Rich, do you want to bring us a final couple of stories then? Yeah, Cooper Cup was named MVP after his late touchdown, secured a second ever Super Bowl for the LA Rams last night. They came from 2016 down midway through the final quarter to beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 at SoFi Stadium. The Rams, the second team to win a Super Bowl at their home venue, and Sean McVay is the youngest ever coach at 36 to lead a team to the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Ethan McElroy, meanwhile, has joined Ulster's lengthy injury list. The winger suffered an ankle injury in their recent win over Connacht, but Matty Ray, Jordy Murphy, Tom Stewart, Stuart Moore, and Cormac Izzachukwu have all returned to full training ahead of their trip to the Dragons. More injury news this time in the northeast of England and Newcastle dealt a huge blow in their battle against the drop. Kieran Trippier has suffered a fractured bone in his foot. That was during yesterday's win over Aston Villa. He scored the winner there and also a goal in the previous game uh, during midweek. And Maggie Farley is going to make a piece of history on Sunday. The Cavan official will become the first woman to referee an Allianz Football League game. Farley will be on the whistle for the Division 4 meeting of Leitrim and London in Carrigan-Shannon. She previously uh, made history in November by taking charge of the Cavan Football decider the men's up to this very good Richie McCormack thank you nice one Owen Sheehan pleasure thanks Mill cheers guys the news round on off the ball with Gillette we don't just play the game we change it Gillette made of what matters